so glad that you are uh, joining us today. Uh, who's ready to dig into today's uh, topic? We're going to be talking about prayer for the next five weeks. Are you guys ready to be challenged to pray, to grow in prayer? That's what we want to do. Uh, now listen, have you guys ever felt like you were put up against the fence to lead a prayer time? That ever happened to you? You ever felt like that pressure, you know, to have to pray? You know, and say, hey, hey, would you mind praying for, for the meal today? Would you mind praying for, for us? And, and maybe you felt like you were put up against the wall and you probably thought, oh no, like all the eyeballs, right, are, are on me. Everybody's looking at me and everybody's listening to me and you feel this pressure, right, when they ask you to pray for something. Maybe you feel like Ben Stiller, right, in, in this clip. And you feel like, man, I, I, you know, I need to, I really need to impress. I need to impress with this prayer. But the question I ask is impress who? With that prayer, who are you trying to impress? Are you trying to impress God? Like, are you, are you trying to impress others? Who are you trying to impress by those prayers? You know, when you came in, uh, I gave everybody today, you should have gotten some journals. You guys have it? If you're missing a, a journal, please raise your hand. Madeline will go around and she'll give it to you. With your message notes, you have some journals that I gave you guys today. Because this is what I want to challenge all of us to do. Here's what I believe in my heart of hearts. Here's what I think I know. And that is that the next step, when it comes to rebuilding our church, when it comes to rebuilding our lives, and when it comes to rebuilding our community, it's going to happen through prayer. That's, what's going to, that's how it's going to happen. It's going to happen through prayer. And so here's what I want to challenge every single person that is in this room. Over the next five weeks, I want to challenge you to daily journal and to daily journal your prayers. And so when you came in, you should have received uh, those journals. That's for you to keep. That's for you to bring home. And I want to encourage it. I want to encourage you to use that as a tool, to use that as a resource to encourage you to spend time with God this week. Now, there's Maybe you've never journaled before. Let me give you guys just a couple tips. There's no hard and fast rule when it comes to it. Maybe you want to just jot down a Bible verse. Whatever the verse of the day is, you know, in your Bible app or a verse that pops into your mind or, or one verse that comes out of your Bible reading. Maybe you want to put the date on the page and just put that Bible verse and then allow that verse to frame your prayers. Or maybe you can use that, that journal just to jot down a few names of some people that God pops into your mind. Maybe your neighbors, maybe some friends, some coworkers, or some family members, some people that God pops into your mind so that you can spend some time praying. Then maybe you just want to write down those names in the journal and pray for them in the week. Maybe, maybe you're a writer and you, you just want to write out your entire prayer word for word. I know some people find it difficult to just like talk out loud or just even to meditate on, on, on some words. Maybe you, you're a good writer. You can write out your prayer word for word. Maybe you're not a good writer. You're a drawer. Draw, draw whatever God places on your heart. Draw a Bible verse. Draw something. Spend time to meditate on God's word. It's up to you, okay? There's no hard or fast rule. But what I wanted to do was give you a resource, give you something in your hands to help us over the next uh, five weeks to encourage us to pray. Okay, so the big idea, the big encouragement for us is to pray. That's what we want to do. Okay, so use those journals. Use it however you want. There's no hard or fast rule. But the encouragement is to pray. I put this quote up on the screen. This is from Charles Spurgeon. Look at what he said. He said, I, I know of no better thermometer to your spiritual temperature than this, the measure of the intensity of your prayer. He said, I know of no better thermometer to your spiritual temperature than this, the measure of the intensity of your prayer. If that's true, then let me ask you guys a question. What's your temperature today? 
if it's measured by the intensity of our prayer, then what is your temperature? Some of you might be honest with yourselves and you say, Danny, man, I'm sub-zero. I'm, I, I am sub-zero when it comes to my prayer life. Some of you might say, Danny, I'm like a, I'm just a, an average 98.7 is what I feel. No fever. I'm not running too cold. I'm not running too hot. I'm right. I'm just average. Some of you are like, man, I'm running a fever. I'm, I'm scolding hot. And praise God, I want to be more around you if that's you. But here's my great goal for us, for all of us in this series. My hope is that we would all crank up just a little bit the thermostat so that we might draw closer to God, might hear more from God just to crank up the thermostat, that we might dedicate this next season of life, this next season of ministry, fervently seeking God through prayer. Here's what I know for every single one of you here. For every single one of us, here's what I know. And that is that God wants to do a great work in you. And God wants to do a great work in us corporately. And God wants to do a great work in our neighborhood, in our community. I believe it. I know it. But it begins with prayer. And so over the next five weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to study Jesus' example. He left us what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer in the Scriptures, in the Gospels. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to take apart this prayer because Jesus left for us a template. And so we're going to learn this template. We're going to examine it. We're going to look at it. And and, and I'm not going to tell you to pray exactly that way per se, but I want you to look at it as an example, as a model for us to follow. If you don't know what to pray, if you don't know what to say, I think this is going to help you tremendously. And so I want to encourage you to each week, take what we learn from this Sunday, take what we learn and apply it to your prayer life. Today we're talking about God's glory. So I want you guys to think about God's glory during the week. And how does that frame your prayer life this week? Okay? That's what I want us to do. Are you guys ready? Yes. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. You have the verses there. Um, I, I want you guys to pray this with me. It starts off first by saying, therefore, you should pray like this. This is Jesus' example, right? This is Jesus talking, and he's telling his disciples, he's telling his followers, this is how you should pray. All right, so I want you guys to follow with me. It's in your notes. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. You ready? All right, let's pray it together. Ready, go. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today we're going to focus on verse 9. That's what we're going to focus on. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. So when it comes to your prayers, here's what Jesus teaches us. If you're taking notes and the message notes is the first fill in the blank. Number one is this, and that is that God is approachable. God is approachable. Have you ever been starstruck by somebody? You know, someone that you know, or, or, or how about starstruck, right? Like, like an, or, or intimidated. You ever been intimidated by somebody or starstruck? Is there, is there a celebrity in your life? You know, is there somebody you really look up to that if you saw them in public, you wouldn't even know how to behave yourself, right? 
You know, for me, I'll be honest with you, it would probably be Will Smith, right? If I saw Will Smith, I would freak out if I saw him, right? I mean, I've seen all the movies. Listen, I've memorized whole sections of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, okay? Like, I, I just have it memorized. What, like, I don't know what I would tell him if I met. I'd probably just break out and rap, just start rapping, you know, in West Philadelphia, born and raised. I'd probably just start singing it to him. I don't, I don't know what I would do. You know, for some of you, maybe it's not a celebrity that you're intimidated by. Maybe it's a, a co-worker or a boss, a supervisor. Maybe an acquaintance, right? That you, you know, it's a person that has like a larger than life presence. That person that's like the life of the party, you know, or, you know, for me, uh, just being completely vulnerable with you guys, you know, I'm always wearing my heart on my sleeve with you guys and I'm intimidated by intelligence. You know, there's, there's so many of you guys in this room that are so smart, got degrees and, and, and so incredibly intelligent. That's so intimidating to me. It really shrinks me down because you guys are so smart. But sometimes... We take that same outlook that we have in how we approach God in prayer, don't we? That starstruck, that intimidation, that, and we, we kind of apply that to the way we talk to God. And maybe you're here today, so you're like, man, how do, I, how do I talk to God? You know, do I approach Him like royalty? You know, like, you know, my, my king, I, I, I grovel at thy presence and beseech thee. Is that, is that how you pray to Him? Or, or do you talk to Him like a friend, right? Like, like, yo, yo, my dude, you know, what's popping, my G? Zus, right? Like, is that like, is that how you talk to him? Like, how do you approach him in prayer? Well, listen, the first thing that we learn from this model prayer from Jesus is that God is approachable. And in fact, listen to the way that God, uh, uh, that Jesus talks about him. Jesus says to address God as father. He says to call him father, which is translated from the Hebrew word Abba. And what that word means, basically, it means daddy or papa. It's a more intimate way of calling God father. I was studying this week. Did you know one scholar says that there is no evidence of anyone before Jesus using this term to address God? Isn't that amazing? And that Jesus would teach us, man, when you approach God, you can call him daddy. You can call him Abba. You can call him father. Which means that we can approach God as children and to see him as a gentle and loving father. Is that your view of God when you approach him in prayer? You know, some of us, when we approach God in prayer, we approach him with fear. Right? We're like, God, like, you know, is he going to strike me with a lightning ball today? Like, he doesn't know what I did, right? And that's how the way we approach God. Some of us, we approach God like a rich aunt or uncle. Right? You know that rich aunt or uncle? You, you, don't hear, you don't talk to them. You don't call them. But when it's your birthday, you're like, hey, yo, auntie, like, you, you know, I, I needed this for Christmas. You know, I need this for my birthday. You know what I mean? You can hook me up with this, right? And some of us, that's how we approach God. Not only when we need something, right, from Him. That's when we reach out. And some of you don't approach at all because that you feel that you're, you feel like you're unworthy. You're unlovable. Like you've done too much wrong to approach God. But did you know that you can approach Him as Father? Now listen, to, to a degree, right, every single one of us here, we all have imperfect or flawed models of fathers, right? Whether or not your father's in your life now or or, or, or was, right? We, we have this imperfect model of what a father is. And so what we need to challenge ourselves is not to view God through the lens of, of our bad, sinful, and imperfect models of fatherhood. Because even, you know, I'm a dad of three. No matter how hard I try, I always fall incredibly short as a dad. But you see, we don't view God through the lens of our imperfect, flawed dads. We can view God as a perfect, loving, and gentle dad. 
because we are children of God. That's what it says in, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 12. I would love for you guys to read this verse with me. It's on the screen and in your notes. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. If you'd like to take extra notes, I would underline right there where it says children of God. Children of God. That's what we are made children of God through Jesus. And we're welcomed into the family of God. And so this week, I want to encourage you to approach prayer like you're talking to a loving father who loves and accepts you because, listen, he does. He does. How might that change the way you approach God? How might that change how often you approach God? Or what you say when you do? Because God is approachable. So the verse says, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. That's number two in your notes. That is that God is worthy of honor. God is worthy of honor. The definition of honor is this. It's to hold in high regard or high esteem and high respect. That's the definition of honor. You know, there are so many things that are trying to grab our attention from giving God honor, isn't it? There's so much stuff. You see, to to give God honor, it involves reverence. It involves esteem. It means to value, to treasure above all else. That's what it means to give honor to God. But how often do we revere, esteem, and value, and treasure other things before God? The biblical term for this is idolatry. Whenever we esteem and value and treasure other things before God. So how do we honor God? We honor God by giving him the priority that he deserves in our lives. This is and it will always be a challenge for each and every single one of us. As there's a million and one things that are calling for our attention. And honestly, there's a million and one things that are, that are, are, that are beyond our, calling beyond our attention. Are calling to our devotion and calling to our worship. There will always be a distraction. You know, I, I, came apro- I came across this quote this week from Lisa Turkhurst. I'm probably saying her name incorrectly, and I apologize. But she says this. It's on the screen. The decisions we make dictate the schedules we keep. The schedules we keep determine the lives we live. The lives we live determine how we spend our souls. So this isn't just about finding time. This is about honoring God with the time that we have. You see, living our lives in light of giving honor to God has to do with how we spend our time. It has to do with how we spend our time and how we live our lives, the words that we use and the actions that we take. Look at the psalm. Look how the psalmist says it. The psalmist gives honor to God. And maybe some of you this week, you want to include this into your prayer time. This week, look at Psalms chapter 96, verses 4 to 6. Look how he honors God in this passage. He says, For the Lord is great and he is highly to be praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of of the peoples are worthless idols. All those things that we devote all our time and all our attention, we spend all our focus on, those are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared 
above all gods, for all those other things that we put before God, all, those other, all the other things that are calling for our time and for our devotion and for our worship are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Are we living our lives in honor of God? Is He Lord of all? What bits and pieces are we holding on to that we are refusing to let go? What are we refusing to let go of? I think one of the ways that we can honor God is by intentionally carving out time to spend in prayer. And that's why I want to encourage you this week. You have that journal. Use it as a resource. Put, put, a, put in a reminder on your phone. Put an alarm to go off every day at the same time. And use that journal as a reminder to spend time. Because that's one of the ways that we can honor God. How can we honor God when we don't pause to not only talk to Him, but not to listen to Him? It begins there. So let's live out this prayer because God is worthy, because He is great, and because splendor and majesty are before Him. So the prayer, once again, the model prayer verse, just the first verse, Our Father in heaven, Your name be honored as holy, is what Jesus said. And that's number three. Here's what that means. It means that God gets the glory. That God gets the glory. You see, to honor God as holy means that He gets all of the glory. You see, there's a temptation for you and for me. There's something that we have in common, and that is that there's a temptation for us to steal God's glory and to give it to ourselves, right? We want the glory. We want the attention because we love attention and we love credit. Think about it. When, when you do something and you don't receive acknowledgement or thanks for it, how do you feel after? Right? When, when, you did, when you felt like you did a good job or when you did that task at, at work or at school and you didn't receive any acknowledgement, you feel horrible about it, right? And you think to yourself, man, how dare they? How could they not address me? How, man, that's the last time I do anything for them, right? That's the attitude that so often we have. And that's because we want to receive glory for what we do. We want acknowledgement. We want praise. And that's why in our culture there's so many monuments and statues because we love to glory in others, right? So let's face it. People enjoy glorying in themselves. But to honor God as holy means that we give God all the glory because He and He alone is worthy. So does God get glory from your life and through your life? Let's be honest. Sometimes we claim to give God glory, but we live like we deserve all the glory. Isn't that right? So let's determine in our prayers this week to give God the glory that He merits. Pray like the psalmist in Psalm 115.1. Let's, let's pray this verse together. It's on the screen and in your notes. Ready? Go. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to Your name give glory because of Your faithful love because of your truth. You hear what the psalmist is praying there. He's like, not to me, God, not to my own glory, not to us, but to you. May your name be brought glory because of your faithful love, because of of your truth. We're going to come back to that faithful love and that truth in just a moment. But what if that was our prayer? God, not for me, not for us, not for Swerve, for your glory, for your name. And so there's two specific things that I want you to focus on this week in your prayer time in regards to God's glory. The first thing is this, and that is that He gets glory through your mountaintops. The second thing is this, 
that He gets the glory through your vows. In your prayer time, I want you guys to focus on this. I want you to write this in your journals. I want you to meditate on this. God to, for God to get all the glory, it means that He gets the glory through your mountaintops and He gets the glory through your valleys. You know, it's been my experience that we so often like to take credit for our mountaintops. We like to glory in our achievements. We like to glory in our success. And we forget to give God glory in those seasons of progress. We look in the mirror or we pat ourselves on the back and we say, wow, what a great job. And you don't know all the hard work that it took to get to this mountaintop, for us to get to this progress, to get to this promotion. And it was all me, by myself. That's how I accomplished it. That's how we got there. We love to take the credit for the mountaintops. On the flip side, we like to blame God for the valley seasons, right? When you find yourself in the valley season, when you find yourself in those difficult times in your life, we like to blame God. God, how can you do this to me? How can you let this happen to me? We forget that God can and He wants to glory from all the seasons in our lives, including those valley seasons as well. That in those valley seasons that God is sustaining you, that He is sanctifying you in those valley seasons, that He is using your suffering to refine you like gold, and that He's ultimately going to accomplish His purposes even in those difficult seasons in your life. So here's the question I want you to wrestle with. Who gets the glory from your successes? And who gets the glory from your failures or those moments of hardship? If God gets the glory from your mountaintops and your valleys, it means that God can redeem the good, the bad, and the ugly to ultimately accomplish His purposes in and through your life. God can and He wants to redeem those moments in your life. I'm going to invite Hunter to come up here. He's going to lead us in one final song today. And I want to encourage you this week, especially as you approach God, when you approach God in prayer this week, because you're going to put a reminder on your phone, right? You're going to set an alarm. We're, we're going to be praying together. We're going to be encouraging each other towards prayer. So when you approach God, I want you to view him as a gentle and loving father that loves and cares for you. You can address him that way. I want you to choose to bring him honor by separating time each day this week and for the next five weeks as we go through this series. And then I want you to reflect. Reflect on your mountaintop and valley experiences and ask yourselves, how can God get the glory? This might be a good exercise for you guys this week to put in your journal. Think about. Think about the past 14 months, the mountaintops and valley experiences. And journal, how can God get the glory from what I've been through? Now, you guys remember that verse that we read, Psalm 115, verse 1? He said, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. And he said, because of your faithful love, because of your truth. You see, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, then I want to share with you about the faithful love and the truth that the psalmist is talking about in this verse. Because God's love is greatly demonstrated to us in how he loves you through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Bible teaches that we all fall incredibly short before the glory of God. That glory that we were talking about, we fall incredibly short before the glory of God. And the sin that we have committed merits God's rightful judgment and God's wrath. But instead of meeting our 
instead of meeting our sin with His wrath and judgment, instead of God meeting our sin-stained lives with with what we deserve, He meets us with a grace-filled heart. How did He do that? By sending Jesus to absorb the wrath that was owed to us. And Jesus said, Jesus taught that He was the way, the truth, and the life. That all that would believe in Him would find true life and experience eternity. And so Jesus lives a perfect and sinless life and He dies in our place and He conquers the grave so that all who put their faith in Him can experience forgiveness of sin and new life. And so this is where it begins with you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is your first step in your spiritual journey that is to put your faith in Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you guys to partake in communion. Uh, in the back, on the table to my right, all the way in the back, there's some communion cups. You can go back there, grab one, bring it back to your seat. And at your leisure, you can participate in communion. Hunter's going to lead us in one more song. And at whatever point during that song, I, I invite you guys to pray, to reflect, to repent, and to remember of Jesus' work on the cross on your behalf. And to partake in communion. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the reminder that we can approach you as a good and loving and gentle father. And we want to honor you, God. We want to treasure you above all else. We want to honor you, God, through our time, through our talent, and through our treasures. And so, God, today we give you all the glory, both in the mountaintops and in the valleys. God, that you would be glorified in and through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.